the Spirit of God. God knows who's sitting out here tonight, and he knows what's needed. So when this preacher gets in trouble, y'all just pray for me, and we're going to try to get in the Garden of Eden and go on out and rapture this church tonight through this message. If y'all will stay with me, we get the Spirit of God down here. It don't make a difference if it had been preached 5,000 times. It'll still do the same thing. There are no new messages anyway under heaven. We just change them around. That's right. I haven't got any new ones, and Brother Elder's hadn't. Someone's preached them. Them characters we use have preached them before we was. But that's the way God dealt with me tonight, and I couldn't get no ease in my heart until I agreed to go down that road. I'd pray and start out, and I'd get plumb sick at my stomach. I'd lean back to the Garden of Eden, creation of time, and God, he'd go to spirit moving with me. I'm saying all this because I know that adversary. If he can quench my spirit just a little bit and touch that anointing, he can stop the whole message. And tonight, we want the Spirit of God to move in here, and we want him to do whatever he wants to do. If I don't get halfway through the message and God takes over this service, you just get with it. Because I'm not running the church. The Lord's running the church. If you'll stand with me now, we'll go to Genesis third chapter I'm going to read the 15th verse Heavenly Father we thank you Lord God we praise you Heavenly King thank you Lord Heavenly Father we thank you Jesus. let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you dear Lord we praise you Heavenly King thank you wonderful Savior for what we've already felt here tonight Thank you, Lord God, for your spirit. Thank you, Heavenly King, for everything that you've done. Help us, dear Lord God, to yield ourselves to thee, Lord. Father, we might worship you this night and magnify you. Thank you, Heavenly King, dear Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Third chapter in the 15th verse of Genesis. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let's pray again. Dear Lord God, Heavenly Father, we ask you tonight to anoint thy word, O Heavenly Father. Dear Lord God, that your word might come forth as you intended. Heavenly Father, that someone here tonight might find refuge in you. Heavenly Father, that someone might be uplifted, Heavenly Father, that this church might be edified, O King. Dear Lord God, that this flesh might die out, that you might speak, giving you all the honor and the glory for what's done here this night. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let us divide the light from darkness. And he said, the light we'll call day. And he said, the darkness we'll call night. Then he said, let the waters be gathered together. And he said, that we'll call the seas. Then he said, let the land appear, and that we'll call earth. 
Then he said, let there be grass, let there be fruit-yielding seeds, and herb-yielding seeds. And I can see him as he covered the whole earth with the grass and the beautiful trees that he stopped and looked it over. And he said, I like this, it's beautiful. I see the angels as they gathered around and stood in awe, wondering what was taking place, wondering what was happening, wondering what this was all about. And then he said, let there be a firmament in the waters to divide the waters from the waters. So the waters above, he said, there'll be the heavens. He said, the waters below will be the seas. And then he said, let there be great lights put in the heavens. He said, the sun will be for the light of the day. And he said, the moon will be for light of night. Also, he said, let us put the stars out there. Then he said, let it for be signs and for seasons, for days and for months. After he got this all out there and the Milky Way put in its place, he put the Big Dipper out there. And I can see him as he stops again and he looks out over heaven. He said, oh, I like this. It's beautiful. The angels this time began to get excited, wondering what's going to happen next. He said, what in the world is he doing? What is he fixing? We've never seen nothing like this. I wonder what it's all about. And I can see him then. He puts the fowl in the air. There he puts the great eagle that flies in the sky. And the falcon and the hawk. Then he went and puts the birds in the forest that sing, the mockingbird and the canary and all of those that fill the forest. Then he takes the, the, the duck and the goose down on the lowlands and out into the ponds. After this, he said, let us put the fish. Then he puts the, quail, or the whale out in the sea. Then he puts the tuna out there. Then he puts the trout and the salmon up in the streams, goes down into the lowlands, and there he puts the bass and the cropping, stops and looks at all of this. Man, this looks good. Ain't that beautiful? And there are these beautiful flowers just swaying out over the land. Everything's living. Ain't nothing dying. Everything's moving forward. There ain't nothing moving backwards. Death hadn't ever come into the world. There ain't no insects. There ain't no leaves dying. Everything is green and pretty. You talking about something to look at. There's never been an artist could draw a picture like this. There's never been a mind that could imagine. There's never been a voice could speak. How beautiful the earth look in its creative time at this day and here he then he said let us make the animals and he put the moose up in the mountainous regions and there he put the old elk and out in the plains he put the buffalo and the bison and the antelope went on down in the lowlands he put that white raccoon and the possum and all of those down there in them lowlands and when he got all of this fixed he looked out over that and he said man I like this and them angels was getting excited. They said, I've never seen nothing like this in my life. He said, look at all of those animals. Look at that beautiful forest. Look at those beautiful trees. They said, man, this is great. I wonder what God's up to. Oh, he stands here. Gets him a deep breath. Them angels just jumping up and down. They thought, what in the world? He said, just hold her now. I'm not through. No, I hadn't got to where I'm going yet. <laughs> and he leans down then. He takes his finger and he begins to draw in the dirt. 
there he begins to make an outline. It wasn't long that it began to make a shape. And it began to look like a man. And there he went and made a foot. Then he made an ankle. Then he made a knee. Then he made a thigh. Then he made two of them. Wasn't long he made the trunk. And then he made the arms. And then he made the head. I can see them angels in. They was getting excited. They said, man, I never seen nothing like that. And they began to kind of do a little jig. Just about the way you do when one comes and repents at an altar. And you know they're going to be born in the kingdom of God. You can feel something happening. You can feel life coming into the church. You know one's going to be born again. Here all the angels were. They were shouting and jumping around and wondering what in the world is this all about. I can feel something going to happen, but I don't know what it is. I know there's something great going to be because God made this beautiful earth and all those trees and those animals for some reason. Yes, sir. Reached down, made two eyeballs, a nose, put him a mouth down there. Boy, he got him a big old deep breath and a smile crossed his face. <laughs> he reached down there and leaned over. I'll tell you what, you talking about a hallelujah time. <laughs> That's going to be just like it is when he come back after his church. That church going to be vibrating. The saints are going to be waiting. They know something's going to happen. They're getting ready to leave here. Something's going to happen in this world. And they're getting themselves ready. They can feel it coming on. And here he leaned over Adam and breathed into his nostrils. And Adam became living soul and I don't believe Adam got up out like a cocoon like a butterfly out of a cocoon I believe when he come up out of that dirt he was a shouting and magnifying God you're talking about a holy roller time you're talking about Pentecost that day there was life brought into this world when God breathed into man he became a living soul yes them angels you talking about, these charismatics or Baptists or whatever they are, sitting on their old still pews. You think the angels right then wasn't doing a little dance. You think old Adam wasn't magnifying his creator. He was worshiping him with all his heart, mind, and soul. He'd been a new birth that happened there. Before that, Adam lay there just like a hunk of clay. He was empty and he was void. It was total darkness in him. And that's the same way you was until God breathed life into you and gave you the Holy Ghost. You was empty and void and darkness, but God made you a new creature. Yes, sir. Looked around there and he said, you know, that's a pretty little feller. I like him. He looks like his daddy. He said, I'm going to make me another. I'm going to make him my helpmate. Then he went and put Adam to sleep and took out a rib and he made woman. He said, I just want some more of them. He said, I don't want to stop it too. He said, y'all just replenish the earth. He said, ain't them the most beautiful things I've ever seen. At this time, there was no sin in the world. At this time, animal did not eat animal. At this time, death had never entered. Everything was living and nothing was dying. Here God was and he made this earth for one thing. And that was for you and I until sin come into this world. This earth did not belong to Satan or the demons of hell. But he made it for his children and for them to abide here. He didn't make the earth for the angels to come there. But he made it for the descendants of Adam and Eve. But sin's what stopped that all. But tonight he gave us a better way. We're set in a heavenly place tonight that we can feel the mighty power of God because he put everything between that seed and the woman's seed. 
He said, I ain't through yet. He never gets through blessing his children. When you get the Holy Ghost, you ain't through. You just started. <laughs> you may think that's the best thing ever happened to you, but he's got more for you yet. <laughs> he never quits. God is a giver. He's not a taker. He'll give and give and give. He'll never stop giving. <laughs> he said, no, I'm not through. And he made a garden eastward of Eden. He said, I won't put you in this garden. And I won't tell you something. That was probably the most beautiful place it was ever made. And if you allow me, I want to carry you in there a little ways. I can't explain it. I have not seen, here, not heard. Never entered the heart of a man what God's got planned for you and I. And this place, I don't believe that we can ever imagine what it looks like. But I've got my own thinking on it. You know, there's where he put Adam and Eve, and he said, every animal in there belongs to y'all. He said, you know, all them fruit trees in there, they're yours. He said, you name all them animals, because every one of them's yours. Them bears, them tigers, them raccoons, them possums, every bit of them, they belong to you, Adam. Just give them a name, son. Anytime you want to go in there and talk to them or be, be deal with them, pet them or whatever, they belong to you, not nobody else. And said, you know, all them fruit trees in there, them apples and oranges and peaches, said they all belong to you. Ain't nobody else can bother you with them. You can eat any time you want to. You don't have to have no table manners. You don't have to worry about how you bite into them. Just reach and get you one any time you want it. Said anything in there is yours, but said don't take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because said if you eat of that tree, you're gonna die. I won't tell you something tonight. He give us manna from on high. He heals our bodies. He gives us the gifts to edify the church. There ain't nothing he withholds from his people. But he says there's one thing don't you do. Don't you partake of that world out there or you're going to die. Same law still goes today as it did then. He's the same yesterday forever. God has never changed. And the same laws applied to man back then applies to the law today. To man today. You don't lie, steal, or cheat. You don't rob, commit adultery. You just live according the word of God and he used to like to come in the cool of the evening and visit with his creation walk down the path and probably he would enter that garden and if you and I was to be able to enter there we'd probably walk down the path and here on our right we would see the most beautiful flower garden that our eyes have ever seen the fragrance that come up from those flowers our nostrils have never smelt you go on down a little further and you look at you would see the beautiful daisies and the daffodils and the tulips. You're talking about, oh, what beauty. The leaves were perfect in shape. The flowers were all right and in the right color. There wasn't no mixture that day. There was no crossbreeding at that time. There were no animals or anything else. Everything was made in its perfect time. Everything was moving forward. Nothing was moving backwards. And if you used to ever went out on the farm and ever had to go after the old milk cow late in the evening on a spring day after a good rain and you went back down there in the pasture and you get that old cow and start home and you're walking about four dark come by this honeysuckle thicket and you smell that beautiful fragrance that come out of them honeysuckle your nose ain't never smelt nothing until you walk down in that garden of Eden and you walk on a little further and here you see the apple trees them apples are hanging there they're not big ones and they're not little ones they're not rotten specks in them and they ain't worms crawling in out of them they're not great big ones or little bitty ones they're all perfect inside there's red ones, there's blue ones, there's green ones, there's white ones, there's yellow ones. You 
just any kind of apple you want. It's hanging there. And they're all hanging on the tree just right. There ain't no limbs are dragging the ground and some sticking straight up. All them leaves are bright green. All them apples are in perfect shape. And you walk on down a little further and you come into the peach orchard. And now you see them old owl birds about that big around. And you see the juice are dripping out of them. And if you ever suck your teeth in an owl bird or peach, you ain't never eat one like it's in that garden of Eden. When you bite into a juice run down your chin, down onto your stomach, but you don't care because you're in the presence of God. You don't have to worry about table manners. You just go after it. And that's the way you are in the house of God. You don't have to worry about table manners. You just go after it. When you won't eat the manna from hell on, just go get it. Yes. You don't have to worry about how you hold your fork, spoon, and knife when you get to eating this manna. <laughs> they may think you're crazy out there. You get out that pew and go after it. The Bible take it before us. It belongs to you. It don't belong to the angels of heaven. It don't belong to the demons of hell. But this great salvation that Jesus Christ gave us belongs to you and I. You talking about those plums hanging there? Man, them blue ones about that size. And them are yellow ones. They're just a hanging out there just right. You go on down the path a little further. Your ears ain't never heard no music in his life. Sister Ellers can play that organ and she can sing. This sister over here, she can play. Oh, and them old canaries that rear back and go to yodeling. Them old mocking birds that go to sing. You ain't never heard no music in your life. And you see that old lion come out of them woods. He ain't got, he ain't got the mange. And he ain't a growling. He's a purring like a tomcat. He's just a wagging his tail. There comes a lamb walking right behind him. Death ain't entered the world yet. Animals not eating animal. Everything was peace. Everything was love. Everything was kindness. Everything was going forward because it was a creator that created it and there was nothing in the world at that time could bring death. And you see the old fox. He didn't have his old hair all bristled up. He wasn't running the rabbit. And you see the wolf. He didn't have his hair stuck out on his ends and his teeth to show it. No, and the fleas wasn't all over him. He had the prettiest coat your eyes had ever seen. And he walked down that path behind you. Man wasn't scared of animal and animal wasn't scared of man. I want to tell you something. You ain't never been to a place that you could ever walk into that place. But I want to tell you tonight, there's one that's gone away. Prepare a place for us that I had not seen, hear and not heard, and never in the heart of man what it's like. It's far greater than I can explain to you tonight. He would come in the cool of the evening and call him by name. And I could see him the first day he came. They were waiting at the gate. They were there worshiping and magnifying before we ever got there. But as time began to go on, they wasn't as quick to run to see him. Just like we are a lot of times after we receive the Holy Ghost. We're not as fast over a few years to worship him as we was when we first got it. Some of us come to church time after time since we've got the Holy Ghost and we don't visit with him. We don't walk up and down the cool of the evening with him like we once did. Because we've grown used to the presence of God. We've grown used to him being around us. And we no longer worship him as we once did. And I believe this is what happened to Adam and Eve. They finally took him for granted. They began to kind of figure out things 
things yourself. And I want to tell you something tonight. You can't figure out the things of God for yourself. It is not for man to figure out because God has already master planned it. He's already laid it out. He just told us to obey Him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. There ain't no man can ever figure it out. There ain't no scholar can ever sit and teach you it. There's no architect can ever draw it because a master plan has done been laid. So he came in there one day. Adam! Nothing. Adam! Adam! I'm over here, Lord. What are you doing over there? I'm hid. Why are you hid? I'm naked. What are you doing naked? Eat a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I won't tell you something tonight. When he calls your name and you got sin in your life, you'll do just like Adam. You'll hide somewhere behind that pew. You don't want to hear his voice if you got sin in your life. But if everything's right, you're waiting on him. When you get in the church, you're waiting on him to come and visit with you. About that time, the plums begin to fall. The leaves begin to wilt. The peaches begin to turn brown. The worms begin to go in and out. The trunk begin to rotten. The wolf begin to howl. The eagle begin to scream. The bear begin to growl. The rabbit begin to run. Death had entered the world through disobedience and sin had brought death. And here it was, everything moving backwards. Nothing was moving forward now. Things were dying, reverting back to its original state. What happens to you whenever you come to God and you begin to backslide? You begin to go back to your original state. You begin to get empty and void. You begin to go back like you was in carnality to your original state when you come out of your mother's womb. When you come out of your mother's womb, you was born in this world, dying. And the only way you'll ever live, you got to be reborn again. And whenever you reborn, again you got to keep that birth going you got to worship God and the spirit's got to lead and guide you into all truth and if you ever let that spirit leave you you'll revert back to your carnal state because you was born in sin and shaped in iniquity and you're going to have to stay out of this world you'll have to have the presence of God to keep you and guide and direct you he stopped looked all around he says, no, Satan, you can't have them. They don't belong to you. I didn't intend for them to die when I created them. I'm going to come down from heaven. I'm going to robe myself in flesh. He said, they're no match for me and they're no match for you. They're immortal and we're celestial. You went and stood up against them and they failed. But I'm going to come down out of heaven. I'm going to put on that curse. I'm going to robe myself in flesh. And the war's on, big boy. You just come on after me. I'm going to take their place. And about 4,000 years later, there was a baby born from Mary. And his name was Jesus. And it was Jesus Christ who was God Almighty in the flesh. And whenever he began to grow up as a little child, and other kids that want to go steal watermelons and cantaloupes, he said, no, I'm not going to. When they want to disobey their mother, he says, no, I'm not going to. You know 
Why? Because he's standing in your place, 10-year-old. He's overcoming every sin you've ever faced with. And when that devil throws him at you, Jesus has already been there. He's already overcame that. And 12-year-old, whenever it comes time for you to cheat in marbles or be dishonest in school or play hooky, Jesus has already been there. He's already stood against that devil. There ain't no sin in this world that he ain't never come up against, that he ain't overcome. And teenager, when you reach your age and all the things come upon you at school and the devil throws all those things at you, when he was a teenager, he was there. When the old devil come at him, he said, oh no, I'm going to take their place. I'm going to walk in their path. Old devil, you can't have them. They don't belong to you. I brought them into this world. They didn't have no choice. I'm the one that made them out of the dirt. I'm the one that breathed in their nostrils. I'm the one that made them for me. They didn't ask to be here. I brought them here. And now I'm going to make a way for them to escape from you, Satan. Because they don't belong to you. I never intended for you to have them. They belong to me. And I'm going to keep them if I can. Yes, sir. So when he got up 20, 21 years old, he's done been to work. When he took on the priesthood, all of us preachers, brother, that have to walk the roadside or sleep under a tree, have to do without money, if we have to do without food, if our own family won't accept our ministry, he's done been there. His own people would not listen to him. They'd run him out of town. He had in the house no car to ride in. He didn't sleep in no motels. He had nothing but his feet to walk on. He done been there when he had to do without food. He done knows what it is to be persecuted. He done knows what it be for his friends to run out on him. He knows what it is for nobody to accept his message. I don't care how down and low we get, brother. He's already been there. He never put us up against anything that he ain't never overcome himself because he is God Almighty. He don't expect you to do something that he couldn't do when he came on this earth as a man. You may say, oh yes, brother, but he was a God inside of the flesh but when he was the flesh here on this earth his hands hurt he hungered he felt just like you and I did if he didn't that Bible is not right we're all messed up he wouldn't expect us to do one thing that he couldn't do and if he came in any other state except a man he could not overcome sin of this world but he ever overcome every sin when it come time to cuss he might have had a desire to cuss but he didn't cuss when it come time to commit adultery he didn't commit adultery he might have had the desire in the flesh but he overcame it how did he overcame it he got out there and he prayed day and night he prayed to sweat come down like blood he knew what it was to pray and fast he came up against the adversary the adversary offered him all the world and the kingdom and says I have it to give he says oh no Satan you don't trick me I'll take their place if they ever offered all of this world and deny me I've done been there no and they came and got him like I said the other night whipped him old cross on his back and he started up Gogotha Hill but I want to inject this here tonight I believe probably part way up that hill 
when all of his creation out there will holler and crucify him, kill him. They hated him. And there he was walking up that hill. And it probably entered his mind, what's the use? Look at all of them out there. Where's Peter at? Oh, there's my mother way over yonder. It don't look like there's nobody around. I wonder, does anybody care? He's done been there when everybody turns on you. When it looks like you ain't got a friend in this world, he's already walked that trail ahead of you. You hadn't got any excuse except trusting Jesus Christ like he did trusting in God is to keep walking the path of the righteous and hold on to that unchanging hand. And he'll deliver you from all evil. And he'll deliver you from temptation. And he'll one day deliver you at peace with him. Probably on up the hill. There he was, beaten, slouting, kicked. Stopped a minute and the angels were leaning over the portals of heaven hollering, just give us a signal and we'll come get you. He says, hold her back. I can't. If there's just one person down here in 1982 in Hutchison, Kansas, and there ain't nobody else out there in that whole vast of humanity, if there's not anybody in this world from now until that day down there in 1982, I've still got to go on and pay the prize. I've still got to go up Gogotha Hill because they didn't have any choice of coming into this world. I brought them into this world, and I always told them to deliver them from Satan, and I'm always told them to pray, make, well, they'll have peace with me one day and then be reunited to me. I've got to finish this fight. I can't stop because I love them so much. I don't intend for them to die. I intend to them live forever with me somewhere, someday. And on up to Golgotha he went. They crucified him and he gave up the ghost. Descended down in the inner parts of the earth. Took the keys from Satan and all the demons of hell, of death, hell, and the grave. Then he ascended into the heavens before he left. He said, it's immediate that I must leave, but I'll not leave you comfortless. <laughs> he said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you something back. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, a little time later, there was about 120 gathered, and they wanted to see Jesus. <laughs> they wanted to have some power. <laughs> they wanted to see him one more time, and they gathered in an upper room. <laughs> now, I want to tell you something right here. A lot of people says, well, those were chosen people, <laughs> and it wasn't no hardship on them <laughs> just to come into upper room. But let me lay a little foundation here for you. They were good families in their community. They worked and made a living because a man that would not work and provide for his family was a law back then. He was an infidel. These men were Christian men and walked in what life they had that day and these women. Their children were educated in schools. They had jobs to do. But I want to tell you something. They had got to the place that they wanted to see Jesus Christ and the reality of the Holy Ghost more than anything in this world. And they gathered in an upper room and they didn't go in there praying that first night having coffee breaks eating donuts they got out of them pews and they began to get out in the business and that first night it was probably hard to try to press through they'd probably grunt and stomp and get up and walk and they'd press it through and they'd get back here and walk up and down these aisles and the second night it probably wasn't any easier than the first night but I want to tell you something they were fasting and praying and he said these things come by prayer and fasting them people meant one thing they were going to get a hold of God and about that second night, third night, one got up over here and began to pray a little bit. Another one over here began to shout a little. And about the fourth night, four or five of them got up. And about that fifth night, I seen a sister. 
She got up and walked over to another. And said, come here, sister, I want to talk to you. Walks over here to the side. Says, you know, I've been talking about you to your neighbor on the phone. And said, I want you to forgive me. They began to hug each other's neck. And the Spirit of God began to move. And they began to praise God. It wasn't long until a brother got up over here. He said, come here, brother Jake. I want to get you over the corner. I've got something on my heart. I can't get nowhere with God. I'm condemned about some things. He said, I've been treating you bad on the job. He said, I've been telling things to the boss that wasn't right. He said, I want you to forgive me. He said, I can't care it no further. He said, oh, don't worry about it, brother. And about that time, the power of God began to fall there a little. And began to fall a little over here. And you see one get up over there and go in to make it right. And about the fifth night, there began to be a group over here and a group over there. And the sixth night, they began to sing a little bit to God. And about the seventh night, they began to sing the old time religion. Everybody was about to get in the spirit. Why? Because they were getting in one accord and forming the unity of the spirit. And if we want to have anything in our churches, we're going to have to get in one accord and let God form the unity of the spirit. And then we'll see great exploits from heaven. About the eighth. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's about like it was here tonight. They're running those aisles. They're magnifying God. But there was a few more back there still had their head against that bench. Man, there's a grind in it out. They thought I gotta get through. Something's wrong with me. Everybody in the spirit but me. I can't feel a thing. And he'd get out there and he'd pray. He'd hammer. And directly he'd get up and say, Y'all come pray for me. I just gotta have some help. They'd get over and they'd pray that and through. And they'd pray that and through. And about the ninth day, they begin to get everything just right. And they begin to magnify and glorify God. And on that tenth day, the greatest thing that ever happened in this world there was a church born and the spirit fell from heaven and they were filled with the spirit that day he said I didn't intend for you to die I intended you to live forever and he brought life to a church that would give you salvation one day and would bring life into your mortal soul and get you ready for the rapture yes but I want to tell you something else Ain't all stopped there. He never quits. It just gets better all the time. One of these days, there's going to be another great move of the Spirit. You're going to hear that trumpet sound. You're going to hear that angel sound off. And I'm going to tell you something. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And the mortal's going to put on immortality. And the corruption's going to put on incorruption. And he says, you're going to be changed in the twinkling of eye and be like him. And we're going to sail out of this world into the heavens to be with him. And then as a day is a, that is a day is a thousand years with him. We're living in the sixth day, which is a six thousand year. And the seventh day is the day of his Sabbath. The day he rested, which is a seven thousand year. And that's a kingdom age with old Satan to be bound. And we're going to come back to earth with him where the line will lay down by the Lamb, where there'll be no sin and no heartache, and he's going to turn around to Satan and said, there they are, just like they were in the beginning, I never started anything, I never finished, there's my creation, there's my church, there's my people, you can't have them. He didn't intend for you to die, and there for a thousand years, we're kings and priests on this earth. No heartache, no sorrows. And tonight, you don't have any excuse to die. He's done everything he can to rescue you. Come to the earth.
Tonight you're going to have an opportunity to make one of the greatest investments you ever made in your life. That great God that come out of heaven with all the beauty up there and come down here and put on flesh made out of the dirt. Took your place. Took all the sins on the world and put them on his back. All because he didn't want you to die. And tonight he's not wanting you to die. He's wanting you to live forever with him. I want to tell you something. You're talking about going to be a great time. Whenever, brother, I can walk up there and be with him. And whenever he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. When I hear him call my name, and I feel that old grave bust open if I'm laying in it. I'll tell you what, your name may sound great in the newspaper. It may sound great in the headlines of Hollywood. It may sound great in this world. But the day he ever reached out of the Lamb Book of Life, and you're listening somewhere, and he sounds your name, and you feel that great magnetism of Jesus reach down to this earth like a great magnet to pull all purity out of this world and you feel your feet begin to leave this earth. You're talking about a time it counts to hear your name called. That's the most beautiful time. Your name will sound better that day than you have ever heard it sound in your life. He's there tonight. Here's the altar. He's done walked a long journey for you. He's traveled from beginning to end. He's traveled through this world of creation. Come to this earth as a man and walk many miles. Walk through death and hell into heaven. And now desires to dwell in your tabernacle. To bring heaven into your soul. Make a new creature out of you. That no more will you be tormented by the demons of hell. No longer will you be bothered about the things of this life. But he has come to give you life rather than death because he didn't intend for you to die. Won't you come? Anybody want to come? He's waiting on you. Message you've done preached, the songs you've done sing. No man cometh to God except he be drawn by his spirit. This spirit is reaching out for you tonight, but you'll have to make the choice. You yourself will have to determine what you're going to do. Nobody can help you right now except yourself. you got to come to him on your own. He's done, done everything he can for you, and now he's leaning over the portals of heaven, reaching just as far as he can, saying, come unto me, you're heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He's begging you to come unto him. Won't you come? Anybody? Won't you come? Hell's a long time. You may be in 40 feet of heaven. Or you could be in 40 feet of hell. But you're going to spend eternity somewhere. But you can't blame nobody but yourself. Because you have done heard the message. God's Spirit's dealt with you. He didn't intend for you to die, but you die on your own. That's up to you whether you live or die. Won't you come? Won't you come? He's pleading for you. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. He's waiting on you. He loves you more than anybody in this world. He died for you. He loves you when nobody loves you. 
be your friend when nobody won't be your friend. He'll deliver you from anything. And tonight he desires to be your friend. Just kneel right here and begin to call on Jesus. He's the best friend you'll ever know. Just call on him with all your heart. Give him all you've got tonight. It's either Jesus or death. He is your creator. He loves you and nobody don't love you. He loves you more than your mother. He loves you more than your daddy. He's here tonight to give you refuge for your soul. Somebody else want to come. Somebody else want to come. If you die, he didn't intend for it. He took your place. But here you are now. He's done paid the price. It's up to you. He can't carry you no further. He brought you into a Pentecostal church where you had an opportunity to hear the truth and you felt his diabetic spirit pull at your heart. You have nothing to do now but to fall at the feet of Jesus. Because you're 
most beautiful angel in heaven. But he never got to partake of this. He never got to taste what you could taste. But you're turning your back on it and you're walking out on him. would like to take your place. They can come and sit here for two minutes and tell you how hot hell is.